Lord, we thank you today that you are faithful and strong and worthy and that you are here. We thank you for the ways that you are moving in individual lives, moving in and doing your good work. We thank you for the ways that you are moving into our our church as a community and making us who you want us to be. And we pray that you would continue to do that now as we turn to your word. Lord, I ask these things in the name of Jesus and in the power of the spirit that you give to us. Amen. Well, I want to begin today by letting you all know that you owe me a huge debt. You owe me a huge debt. You really have no idea how much you owe me. As a matter of fact, the debt is so big that you can never, ever pay me back. As a matter of fact, no no matter how much money you give to me, no matter how kind you are to me, no matter what you do for me, you will always owe me. And the Bible says so. Romans chapter 13 Let no debt remain outstanding, except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves has fulfilled the law. So look around the room this morning. You owe every single person in here a huge debt, a continuing debt to love one another. It's a debt that you can know that you can never fully repay. It's an ongoing, forever kind of debt. And this, this debt doesn't just stop at the people that are here in this room. When you walk out of the doors this afternoon, you're going to see people that you don't know. You'll, you'll see people you may never meet face to face, people whose names you'll never know, and you owe this debt to them too. On social media today or this week, You're going to encounter people that drive you crazy. You'll see posts that make you angry, make you want to choke somebody. That person too. You owe him or her this debt of love. The Bible says so. Why do you owe this debt? Most of the time when we think of a debt, we think of paying someone back for something that they did for you. Somebody did something kind to me, in some way I owe them something. Someone loaned me some money, of course I owe them. I need to pay them back. But that can't be the case here for this debt. Not everyone in this room has done something for you, and not everyone that you see today has done something for you. In fact, there are some people that we know who have harmed us, and yet we still owe this continuing, ongoing debt. Why? Why do you owe this debt to pay me and every other human being on the planet? Why do I owe this debt to pay you and to every other being on the, human being on the planet? It's not because everyone has done something for us, but because Christ has done everything for us. Each of us have this debt because of what has, God has done for us through Jesus. Our love for other people, the kindness that we demonstrate to others, the care and concern that we have for the poor around us, our willingness to forgive people who harm us, 
None of that is done because of what the other person has done for you. It is done because of what God has done for you. And because of that, we have this debt, this continuing debt to love one another. We are talking about this calling to steadfast worship. And we've come up with this this tagline of what it means for us to be a people of steadfast worship. And we believe this at Broadway, that we serve a faithful God who never fails us. His steadfast love draws us to steadfast worship. One of the ways that we worship God is through loving our neighbor. One of the ways that we worship God is by loving our neighbor. One of the most important ways that we worship God is learning to love other people in the way that God loves people. So we worship God by loving others. We express our love for God when we love people that he made by his love. The Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the the Trinity that we, we spoke about a couple of months ago. He made the world and he made every single person in the world out of an overflow of the love that the three persons have for one another in the Trinity. Every person comes from the love of God. Every person exists because of the love of God. The stuff that every person is made of is the love of God. God made every person in his image. There is something in every person that reflects the nature and character of God. There is something in every single person that reflects the nature and character of God. And there are some people in our lives where that's really easy to see, right? It's really easy to see in some people how the love of God overflows out of their lives into the lives of other people that they touch. But there are some people that that's really hard to see, right? The image of God exists in every person, but In every person, that image is marred and broken. And there are some people where it's very difficult to see the image of God in them. But it's true of that person too. Every person that you encounter in your life is a person made from the love of God and made in the image of God. And one of the ways that we worship God is to learn how to see the image of God in people maybe even especially those really hard cases where it's difficult to see. And we worship God by loving others in the way that Jesus loved others. Turn with me to 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 11. 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 11. John writes this, Dear friends, let us love one another. For love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us, we also ought to love one another. 
Love comes from God. We usually think about the experience of love as something that comes from within us. It's sort of a feeling or an emotion that we have towards someone else when we see something good in them. That's usually what we think of when we think of love, something that kind of wells up inside of us and goes out toward people that we like, that we see something that we appreciate, something good in them, and love goes out toward them. And that kind of love, it's real, but that's a very natural thing. But John says that love is supernatural, that it comes from God. The love that the Bible describes that God has for us and that we are called to have for others is not a natural kind of love. It's a supernatural kind of love. Love comes from God. Love that comes from God is not merely seeing something good in someone and having a warm emotional feeling about that person. Love that comes from God is love that loves the unlovable. Romans chapter 5 describes the love that comes from God in this way. He says, very, Paul says this, Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might dare to die. But God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Amen? God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God showed his love by sending his son into the world to be a sacrifice for us, not because we were so lovable, but because we were sinners, even his enemies, and he came to die for us. Love, by God's definition, is sacrificial. It's about self-sacrifice. It's, it's bloody. It costs something. While we were sinners, Christ's love compelled him to come and to die for us. When there was nothing good or desirable in us, God loved us and sent Jesus to die for us. This is supernatural love. This is the kind of love that comes from God. Does the love that you have for other people Does it look natural or does it look supernatural? Is it a love that forgives the person in your life that doesn't really deserve it? Is it a love that loves those who are unlovely? Is is it a love that costs something? This is a supernatural kind of love that the Bible describes for us as the kind of love that comes from God. And we worship God by loving people in that way. Even those, maybe especially those that are difficult for us to love. There's a story in Luke chapter 10. It's the story of of the Good Samaritan. I want you to turn with me there. I'm going to read it for us and just talk a little bit about it today. Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. This is a story that most of us are probably somewhat familiar with, but that describes this supernatural sort of love that God extends to us and that we're called to extend to other people. Luke chapter 10, verse 25. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? What is written in the law, he replied, and how do you read it? 
The man answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied, do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. And so too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, and took care of him. And the next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. There are a lot of beautiful layers in this story. So much that we won't be able to unpack all of them today, but I want to focus on one particular part of this story. And it's the moment when the Samaritan comes across the man who is bleeding and laying half dead on the ground. The text says this about what the Samaritan did. The Samaritan sees him, has compassion on him, goes to him, and then cares for his needs. He sees him, has compassion on him, goes to him, and cares for his needs. This example here of the Samaritan stood out to me because of a personal experience that I had with God very recently. Back in October, I was in Colorado at a pastor's retreat. And during that three-day retreat, we were led to reflect on another famous parable of Jesus, the parable of the prodigal son. If you know that story, Jesus says that there's a father who has two sons. The youngest son comes to the father and says, I would like to have my inheritance now, please. The father gives it to him. He goes, he wastes all of the money on wild living, uh, finds that he's completely poor and hungry and decides that he's going to go back home and ask his father if he can come and be a servant in his house. And he goes back home and the father welcomes us into his home. And then the older son becomes very angry because the younger son was welcomed back into the home. And the father uh, begs, says, please, son, please, and come back and Join in this party because your younger son, your younger brother was lost, but now is found. And during that retreat, we were invited to to find ourselves in the story of the prodigal son. And it won't surprise you that for most of my life, I have really identified with the older brother. At least outwardly, I've stayed very close to the church. I've stayed very close to Christ, at least by outward appearances. But this particular week, 
I felt compelled to identify myself with the younger son. And so we spent three days meditating on this passage of scripture of, of the, 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 the father with two sons. And I placed myself in the place of the younger son. And it was a particular moment that was important to me in that story. It was when the younger son returns home. And it says this about the father, that while the younger son was still a long way off, the father saw him, had compassion on him, ran to him, embraced him and kissed him and welcomed him back into the home. Does it sound familiar? The love of the father for the wayward son is described in the exact same way as the Samaritan for the man on the side of the road. And what I remembered this week as I thought about that is that this pattern actually goes back even further in the life of God towards his people. In the story of the calling of Moses to go and rescue the people out of Egypt, do you remember what God tells Moses? I have heard the cries of my people and I have seen their misery and I have compassion on their suffering and now I have come down to rescue them. God sees us, has compassion on us, goes to us and rescues us. The story of the Good Samaritan is not only an illustration of the way that we are called to be towards others. It is a story about the way that God loves us. This is the pattern of the way that God loves us. It is the pattern of the supernatural love of the Father for us. And it is the pattern of the supernatural love that we are called and empowered to have for our neighbors. Love comes from God. The calling to love our neighbors in a supernatural way, in a sacrificial, bloody way, will not happen simply by gritting our teeth and trying harder to love the unlovable. Love, this kind of love, does not come naturally from within us. It comes from God. This capacity to love as God loves comes to us, is empowered in us when we come to know that this is the way that the Father loves us. Do you know right now that he sees you? Do you know right now that he knows all of your circumstances, the great I am that we sang about, the creator and Lord, the one who is high above us, seated on the throne of the universe, that he sees you. He knows your hurt and your pain. He knows the secrets that you keep. He knows your loneliness and your disappointment. He knows your joy and your gladness. He sees you. And he has compassion on you. He sees all of that and his heart is moved. The Greek word that that describes Jesus's compassion for people, it's this really great Greek word. It's splagnadza. It's a really messy word, splagnadza. And it's a messy word. You know what it means? It means to be gutted. It means to have your guts spill out. Jesus, when he saw people who were hurting, it says that he was gutted when he saw the hurt and pain of people. Our God sees 
He sees you. He sees your hurt and your pain, and he is gutted at your pain and your hurt. He cares, he loves, and he has compassion on you. And he wants to come to you. Like the father in the story who saw his son from a long way off, that father was gutted at the pain of his son, and he ran to him. And he wants to run to you today. He wants to be near to you. He wants to be close to you. He wants you to know his presence with you in whatever trial or circumstances or situation you are going through. And whatever failure you are facing up to, the father is running to you to be close to you. And he wants to meet your need. He wants to care for you. God came and rescued Israel from Egypt. The Samaritan went to the man and tended to his wounds. The father ran to the son and hugged him and kissed him and put a ring on his finger and a robe around his shoulders. And he restored the son back to his home. The Good Samaritan story is not just a story about how we are supposed to be. It is a story about the way that God is toward us. This is exactly what Jesus did for us. He saw our need for us, and he had compassion for us, and he took on flesh, taking the form of a servant, and he came down and he met our need through his life and his death and his resurrection. This story is also the story then of because we have experienced this kind of love from the Father, that we can then because that kind of love comes from God and has filled our life, can now go into the lives of others. This is why on the last night before Jesus died, Jesus didn't give him, them a whole lot of instructions about how to love their neighbor. Instead, he just simply said, abide in my love. Abide in the love that I have for you. And when you do that, you will bear much fruit in the world. This calling to sacrificially love our neighbors in the way that Jesus loves us is supernatural. It will not come from your own strength. It will not come from within you. This kind of love comes from God. Steadfast worship, we serve a faithful God who never fails us. His steadfast love draws us to steadfast worship through loving our neighbors. And so I want to finish today by giving you a few minutes to simply be quiet and to meditate, first of all, on God's love for you. Do you believe that he sees you, has compassion on you, that he wants to come to you and be near to you and to care for you? To simply meditate on, on these four actions of the Father toward you, expressing his love for you, and meditate on that for a couple of minutes, and then I'll have... Uh, a second step for us to meditate on today. God, we thank you that you, that you see us. Thank you that you see us in our hurt and pain and that you have compassion on us and that you want to come near to us. You want to care for us. God, I pray that we would experience and know that love today. And now I want you to, to ask God, if there is, is some person in your life, some person in your life who God is calling you to love in this same sort of way, 
to see them in their pain and hurt and to allow yourself to be gutted for them, to have compassion for them and to be willing to go to them and to seek to meet whatever need they may have. Let's ask the Lord right now that he would show you a person in your life who he, who he may be calling you to love in this sort of way. God, we confess today that supernatural love comes from you. It comes from you. And we ask that we would know it in our lives and that it would overflow into the lives of those around us. Amen.